morning everybody won't you join us as we sing you are my vision seated.
I guess that's me. Good morning. So we have just a couple of uh, announcements this morning, nothing very long. Uh, we are starting the men's group back up on Monday mornings. So if you are, uh, I don't know if they're excluding, but it is a men's group. So if you're a guy and you're around at 9 o'clock on Monday morning and you want to come in and, uh, and uh, hang out, then uh, if you're not a guy, I don't know why you'd want to come. So. And then uh, also youth group will not be meeting tonight because of the holiday weekend. So I want everybody to just kind of enjoy what they're doing. And um, I'm hoping there's still a few folks with fireworks left because the view from our deck last night was pretty good. So we'll see what happens. So, All right. Good to see everybody. I want to toss in there that if you are a family and people that are watching at home, if you're a family and you're not coming because you don't have kids rock and you're worried about your kids running amok, during service, um, there is space downstairs. That's where my family goes because, I, well, those of you that know my child, <laughs> he'd be up here. So if you want to come, it's really cool downstairs and it's really relaxed and the kids can hang out and you don't have to worry about stuff. So join us. Would you join us with blessed be your name? Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be the name. 
So good. Grandeur has quite a 
be seated for just a moment. I want to apologize to the band because I was up here talking to the Lord and they followed my lead and just kept playing. <clears throat> I'm not apologizing because I, I think it's exactly what the Lord wanted to do, um, but I didn't communicate very well with them. <laughs> so... I want to take just a second, not in our scheduled events, and uh, I would like for you, and it, it will be a little bit difficult because I'm not going to pass around the mic, but I would like for you just to take a second and share with me some things that you have seen in your life that you can literally say, it is well with my soul from this last week. So you only get a sentence. Don't. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to limit it down and, and, and kind of do it quick and concise. And, uh, but let's hear some of the things that God's doing, why it is well with your soul today, before we do communion. Amen. Praise the Lord. Somebody else. Kai. Praise the Lord. 
Somebody else. Well, I got plenty of time, so don't don't feel rushed. Amen. Somebody else. If you're saying anything from downstairs, you'll have to yell really loud, guys. <laughs> Why is it well with your soul? I got two over here, so we'll go with Michelle and then Roy. Amen. Amen. Right. Amen. Somebody else? Nope. <laughs> <What's that? laughs> I, well, I think, yeah, that might be the testimony right there. That Was that the response to what God was telling you to say, or was that? That's awesome. Amen. Amen. And we got to pray for that. You guys shared that with the church, and we were able to share that and pray. It's awesome. You know, one of the reasons that, uh, I, just so you guys know, I'm, I'm really mentally disturbed, as most of you are aware of this. And um, part of what I was wrestling with in my seat was, do I just do this? And I felt like I needed to. And... I, I went through the whole process. Everything's playing in my head, going, well, how are the people that aren't, part of, that aren't here with us going to hear? Uh, you know, we're going to miss the people downstairs. And so in my heart, I'm wrestling with that, going, okay, Lord, what do I do? And then it was at that moment that I realized that I'd missed communion in the sense of hitting my time schedule. Because I was having that discussion with the Lord going, okay, I know. But, yeah. Anyway, so... I just thought I would share with you guys how really messed up I am 
that, that was the prayer I was having during Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. And, um, and so as It Is Well was playing for me, one of the things that hit my heart was the reason it's well for me is because I have his words that tell me it's so. I, I actually know that me not knowing what to do is actually a good position to be in because it means whatever we're dealing with and wherever we're heading is outside of human capacity, right? And so it's okay because he does know and we can confidently walk by faith and trust him in those moments that we're not sure what to do next, relying on him, being dependent on him, and turning our eyes to him. And one of the things that we get to celebrate in communion is that this loving creator God, knowing the human condition of our hearts, of his creation, had a remedy in place before he created us, and it resulted in the death of his son, Jesus Christ. And isn't it amazing? They couldn't get it. They were sitting with him, and they had all the pro- they had the Hebrew language, and they had the word, and they had all of the prophecy, and they were masters of it and studying it, and they still couldn't see it. Why? Because it makes no human sense whatsoever that God would come through His Son and make a make us right through His sacrifice and His death. This new covenant is referenced. I'm going to read the passage, and then we'll take together. The most unique way I've ever done communion. Um, we'll see if I can screw this part up. You know what? I had this moment this week as I was wrestling with, uh, I don't know, if some. Of, I don't post much on Facebook, but I ran into something the other day, and um, they, were, they were selling products for the back-to-church event in September. And I was looking at that going, are we really selling church? I mean, anyway, I just had this moment where I realized you can't shut down the church. Communion isn't about how we get the product, right? Right? Okay, just in case some of you are really upset about this, we could probably find a a lamb or something somewhere. Um, But... But the, the point, it's not, it's not how we're getting it, it's who we're celebrating. It's the covenant that we're celebrating at this moment that we're reminding ourselves of because we're the ones that forget. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 says this, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take together. Father, I uh, I want to thank you specifically for the gift of your physical body that went through incredible pain and agony um, 
not only in the physical sense, but Lord, in the spiritual and emotional sense as well. As your father turns his back, as your followers scatter, betray, and deny you. You stayed the course and paid the price. And so I just want to say thank you this morning for the precious gift. We give you the glory and the praise. Keep it right in front of us, especially during this time. In your name. And uh, verse 25 of 1 Corinthians 11, in the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Take together. Heavenly Father, the, the sacrifice, <clears throat> the blood that is represented here is the payment for the sin that I commit, the sin that I have committed. And miraculously, it covers that which I'm going to commit as well. And I know that, and it, it troubles me, God, that I willingly choose sin at times. And Father, I want to I thank you this morning that your love, your sacrifice, your righteousness and holiness that is uh, completed in this gift, in this sacrifice that Christ has made, God, that it is supernatural and it covers all sin for those who will confess and repent that you are Lord. So I pray this morning as we consider what it means um, to give to God what is God's, that you would open our eyes and our hearts to what that, what that looks like for us in our daily lives. In your name, amen. And for the sake of dramatic pause and no odd moments, we'll have a quiet moment as I retransition. I got to tell you guys, one of the things that I love about all of this, and I brag about you guys, is that you guys let me be me. <laughs> with all my goofiness and all the weirdness that comes with this whole thing. So, thank you. Oh yeah, look, I've got my notes right here. It's what I was supposed to do. That's awesome. You know, the irony of that whole thing is that if you asked Travis, he would tell you that like three weeks ago, I asked him to make sure that stuff was printed up so that we would know what we were doing. It's priceless. How you guys doing? 
No, not in the not in the Hayward Church, and everybody's got to be honest in the spiritual kind of way. Um, but how you really doing? I, uh, I I've found myself. I have days where I'm really excited about what I see the Lord doing, and there's other days that um, not so much. And uh, I, I find myself easily angered and very frustrated with life and people. Um, I don't know if you guys ever experienced that. You guys are probably more spiritual than me. Uh, but I had an incredible time at uh, Friday night. We went to the uh, State Line Speedway. And man, we had such a blast. And the thing that was encouraging to me um, was just to see the, the respect uh, uh, and the the appreciation for our law enforcement, our medical, uh, e- even just for um, the, the the freedoms that 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 we celebrate in this country. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you guys. There was no heart condition changed in that place. Uh, we got to witness a couple of fights out in the parking lot of people that were screaming and hollering at each other and cutting each other off. I mean, we were as carnal as the day is long. There were there were in fact. I thought it was a little ironic that the, we were celebrating Post Falls, Idaho State Patrol, and the Kootenai County Sheriff's Department, and I'm pretty sure every one of the guys that did their uh, their parade lap in there had somebody pulled over as we were all heading home, because there was police cars pulling people over all over, the, <laughs> all over the place, leaving the racetrack. So they got to exercise what they said they believed um, just a few minutes ago. But the encouraging part for me, the, the part that was fun, was to actually be to be with people who were celebrating in the midst of a time where there's so much division. They were celebrating some of the some of the great blessings of our country, and and it was just fun. It was encouraging to me. Now, all that being said, I think it's quite interesting that the text that we have landed on today is the text that we landed on today on Independence Day, Fourth of July. Uh, give to see if you read in your Bible, it says, "Give to Caesar what is Caesar's." You guys are as excited about this as I am. <laughs> you guys should. You guys can read ahead. You know where I'm going, right? It'll be the next passage in Mark. So as I was opening up and I began to prepare for this week, I came to this thinking that we were going to talk about what it meant to be um, faithfully serving the Lord in a culture where where it, it's it's going to only I think get more difficult to do so, but in a culture where uh, Christian values are um, are uh, less and less uh, respected and honored, appreciated, or even allowed, and that we were going to be addressing this issue of living in surrender to God amidst a tyrannical government or you know whatever those things are, and, and that we're going to have to wrestle with that. And I do believe that there's some principles to that, and we need to look at that. But what was really, really cool for me, is, and, and I think you'll see this as we go through, is that Jesus doesn't just answer their question. He actually answers their problem. He addresses a heart issue that they were unwilling to look at. And, and I think Jesus does that on a regular basis. And, and I'm going to share with you today uh, some of what God did in my heart this week addressing uh, the, the, this heart issue. And I think we can legitimately look at this for ourselves and, and do some of the same wrestling that um, 
I believe God intended the Pharisees themselves to do. So let's begin, since that's just such an exciting introduction um, into what we're going to do today, and uh, let's see what the text has to say. Uh, Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 13. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion. For you are not, a, you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the word of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one, and he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Now, interesting uh, scenario that Jesus finds himself in, right? He is being pursued by the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and they are laboring to trap him. They're actually, they're trying to find a way to to trap him. In fact, if you look in uh, Luke chapter 11, it describes for for us, actually, it, it explains their heart. Luke chapter 11, verses 53 and 54. And it says this, and he went away, excuse me, this is uh, responding to Pharisees uh, and the lawyers who who were testing him before this. And and so Jesus answers them, and 53 we pick up, and he says, and he went away from there. The scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. So now he's got this group of the the religious leaders who are antagonistically trying to catch him in saying something wrong. Um, I don't know if you've ever been in that spot. Some of you have probably worked in jobs where your leadership and your responsibility put you in the public eye, and you had to be very careful with what you said, right? I know uh, some of you worked in the school department, HR departments, different management roles. Uh, You're under great scrutiny at that point. And you can get in all kinds of trouble. You say the wrong thing, right? And and imagine in Jesus' day, now he's got the Pharisees and the, 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 the teachers of the law, the scribes, who are intentionally trying to get him to mess up, to say something wrong. Surprisingly, I don't think it's much unlike our culture today. Where, where depending on, on what position you have or where you're at in the public eye, you could say anything and have it wrong now. Anything. It's become so void of the idea of truth that anything that we say can be taken and used in a wrong way. Um, it's actually been very interesting. I've been meeting with uh, meet with several pastors, uh, guys in the area, and we've been praying through and wrestling through how things are going and, and, and how do we care for, um, you know, the churches and, and how the elders caring for the, uh, you know, ministering to people and, and all that. And the, the theme that we've actually, all of the guys are recognizing and that they're, they're I think, coming to grips with. Um, at one point when this whole thing started, many of us, maybe naively, thought that this would be there would be a resurgence in the church and we'd see great growth out of this process and most of them are coming to the rea- the reality now that they're that's probably not going to happen that it's actually probably going to be a diminishing of the church 
and fewer people will be at church. But one of the things that was very odd is that um, one of the guys met, referenced, he goes, it doesn't matter what I say, I'm wrong in some setting in my church with my family. It doesn't matter what position I take or how I address it, I'm wrong. And, and people are letting me know how wrong I am. And he was just really discouraged because he felt like he could not say anything and not, be get, it, not get attacked by somebody in his group. Of course, I sympathetically said, man, too bad you didn't have a church like mine. Why is that? Well, it's because we all have opinions and preferences and we all have life that we're living and we all have a different perspective that we come from. But there's a point at which when you can, you can really feel discouraged and, and beat up when it feels like no matter what you do, everything that you do, you're getting beat up. And I think that's where Jesus was at. And, and here he has what would be the, be the most educated and the most um, skilled in the law, working hard to try and trap him in it. Can you, any of you guys, you, we can trap people with Scripture, right? It's not actually that hard. You take a word like predestination. Just throw that out there and see what happens. You can get people going off on all kinds of directions. With, I mean, it's not that hard to trap people with Scripture because God speaks about supernatural things that we can't comprehend. So we put our best effort into trying to understand them and wrestle with them and those things. And, and so it's not all that hard. And so here the Pharisees are attacking Jesus, setting a trap, and trying to take him out. And isn't it interesting how they approach him, right? Did you guys notice that in the text? How did they approach him? Tons of praise. You're such a wise teacher. In fact, we're aware that you don't care about anybody's opinion. <laughs> hmm. What? Look, at, look at the praise that they're giving him. You can't be swayed by appearances. You're not, you, you're not, you can't be bought. You have your, your truth, and you know what it is, and you're sticking to it. I love the praises that they give him. But truly teach the way of God. Uh, isn't it interesting that they, that they offer him this praise that is clearly not what they believe? But truly teach the way of God. And does Jesus buy it? Nope. Man, I wish that was me. I wish, that, I wish I could see through people and know their heart and be able to go, uh, nope. I, who said no? No, don't say, you know what, that's just a dumb question. That would be like what I used to do to my poor bride. I always used to think that if I brought her up front, she'd, be, she'd understand how impressed I was with her because I like being up front. But I've learned that introverts don't actually appreciate attention in the wrong way. So for whoever said nope, I realize you're probably an inter- introvert and I need to not but what I appreciate about that response is it's, it's honesty. It's, it, it, was, it was really where, uh, you know, it's so, it's so honest because most we wouldn't say that normally. Hey, the pastor's asking for, you know, people to share what God's doing. Nope. Let's just be, that's where we're at. And there's times in our lives where I wish I had that kind of clarity, that kind of, of discernment in, in, in the midst of life and in the midst of conversation. And this is, who, this is what Jesus does, and, and he addresses the flattery of the Pharisees, and, and he, he just calls them out. Why do you put me to the test? Why are you doing this? Um, now, I want to encourage you guys, because not all the Pharisees were in this spot. Isn't that awesome? 
Yes. Yes. That, that is awesome that some of the leaders got it. You guys, it's important that we realize that some of them got it. Mostly because I believe that we're at times more like the Pharisees than we are like his disciples. It's super important that some of them got it. Look at John chapter 3. You're gonna, I, the reason I grabbed John chapter 3 is because Nicodemus uses the sa- some of the same language that his Pharisee brothers are using in addressing Jesus. He says this in John chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Here Nicodemus recognizes, he's recognizing that God is with Jesus, but he's not quite there yet, and he's searching. He even comes at night, right? Because he doesn't want to be noticed. This is a secret meeting that he's having. Uh, In fact, I'm, I'm assuming that there's probably more than just him there, quite possibly. Um, but he seems to be the leader of this process. And Jesus, again, speaks to his problem. He doesn't answer the question. Right? Nicodemus says, we know, that, we know God's with you. We know, we know this. And, G- and Jesus goes, yeah, you've got to be born again. What? Where was Nicodemus's question? And yet God answers it. And he directs them to the spiritual need of mankind to be spiritually born again to understand and know the kingdom. It's something that they missed. But here we actually see Nicodemus pursuing Christ and the Pharisees speaking truth about Jesus in, in, our, in the Gospel of Mark. In this particular moment, it was flattery and it was intended to trick him into saying something that they could actually have him trapped in. But Jesus exposes their hypocrisy by, by, by seeing this, and, and he, he, he acknowledges that that's what they're doing in, in his statement, why put me to the test? He's, it's obvious that it's happening. And, and clearly they did not believe the things uh, that he was saying. In fact, in the same passage of Luke, if you go back to Luke uh, chapter 11, uh, starting in verse 37, Jesus is pretty direct with them. He, he doesn't, it, you know, he, he wouldn't probably qualify as a, as a uh, real diplomat with the religious leaders. He, he was very direct. He gave it to them straight, and, and this is one of the times when he does that. Um, Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 37. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools! Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? 
but give, give as alms those things that are within. And behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogue and greeting in the marketplace, greetings in the marketplace. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. In addressing the Pharisees, Jesus acknowledges and, and he points out in Luke that here they are, they're running around worried about the, the, the things of this life, greed and position and posture, and they're presenting themselves as clean while they are yet unclean, even to the point that he ends with calling them unmarked graves. Uh, it, it's interesting that in the um, tradition uh, for, for the Hebrew t- tradition, they'd have actually whitewashed the headstones of the grave so that people would know where they were at, so that they would not wander in or walk over a grave and become unclean before the Lord. And it was, so it was part of the warning system to say, hey, don't come over here, there's a grave here. And Jesus is calling them unmarked graves. They are causing people to be unclean before God, and they're, not, they're, they're unmarked, so people don't even know it because of their religiousness, because of their, their, the appearance of righteousness that they have. And I love what Jesus does when he talks about, uh, in verse 41, he says, but give, alms, uh, give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. Referencing that the worship, the, the sacrifice, the offerings that we bring should come from within, from, from our hearts. And that in that posture, everything is clean for us. They weren't giving, they didn't, hadn't give, given Jesus their heart. But it was an outward physical appearance that obviously uh, was, was based in greed and wickedness, and the results were evident. So what's the trap? The Pharisees had obviously thought about it and had worked themselves up into this particular area, thinking that they had Jesus cornered and that they could actually get him on this one. And what was the trap? They asked him, do we pay taxes to Caesar or not? And again, I love the fact that Jesus uh, answers, I believe, their heart issue um, not, not specifically the physical issue, but what was the trap? And why, why was this a trap for him? Well, because if, the, if he said no, if he told the, the believers not to pay their taxes, then he'd have a problem with Rome, right? Yes. Caesar would not have been happy had all of the Jews walked, went in rebellion and said, we're not paying our taxes. There, there would have been problems for them. Had he said, yes, absolutely pay the taxes, the Pharisees were hoping that it would actually cause the people to turn against Jesus. Why? They weren't real big fans of Rome. Anybody big fans of captivity? Anybody big fans of laws and regulations that restrict your behavior and activity? We're not. Doesn't matter what it is. Let's just take the one that doesn't hurt anybody's feelings. Speed limits. Anybody like that? What about the rule to use your blinker for Pete's sake? There's a law. Because we're too inconsiderate to think about the other person on the road. 
the, the reason that they had Jesus trapped is because of the heart of man. This was a great trap. It probably worked today. Can you see the Pharisees scheming on this? Man, we got him. We've got him. Because if he says no, then we'll, we'll, we'll go and tell Rome. If he says yes, then we can start really telling the people that Jesus is he's, he's for Rome. You guys got to get rid of him. You can't be following him. He's, he supports Caesar. You see the trap? Beautiful from a human perspective. And what does Jesus do? I love his response. He doesn't just answer the question, right? He doesn't just say, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God's. He asks for a coin. Isn't it interesting he didn't have one? Who gave him one? Pretty good chance it was one of the Pharisees that whipped out their coin. You betcha. You see, I just I love the irony of that. I just love that. And so Jesus looks at it, and he doesn't even answer the question for him. He asks them. He, tur- he turns it right back onto them and says, so whose inscription is on, this, is on the coin? Whose image is on there? Whose name? And they respond to him and say, it is Caesar. And again, if you want to spend time looking at more of this idea of honoring government and, and how to deal with that government issue, uh, write down in your books a good passage for that is 1 Peter 3, uh, 13 through 17. There's, there's other scriptures. 1 Timothy talks about it. Romans talks about it. You can go and look at other passages about honoring the government. But I believe that the emphasis of this text is what Jesus says at the end of this passage. He says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God what is God's. And what is he drawing our attention to? When he asked for the, whose image was on the coin, what was he drawing the attention of the Pharisees and the Jews to? What was the mark on it? It was Caesar, right? And so when he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and then he says, give to God's what is God's, where's God's mark? It's on us. It goes back to Genesis. I believe that what Jesus did is he took the Pharisees and he reminded them of who they were. They were a people called by God who in the very, very beginning of all creation established who mankind, who humans were to be. And it's in Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 26. It says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let, him, uh, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the, of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish, and over the sea, and over the birds of the heaven, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding fruit that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in it, in its fruit, you shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to every, uh, everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. 
Here, the Pharisees were focused on their earthly kingdom, not losing control, not losing power, not losing money, not losing prestige and prominence and, and, and all of the things that were held in their religious positions and their religion of that day. And yet Jesus said, give to Caesar what's Caesar's, but give to God what is God's. If you and I bear the image of God the Father, of God, our triune God, then what is it that we have to offer Him? Ultimately, I believe that it is summed up in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act or your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You guys, the problem that I'm wrestling with is that I believe the American church, specifically in this time, is just about as close to the nation of Israel in, during Solomon's reign as any point in the history of the nation of Israel. Comfortable, wealthy, the appearance of peace everywhere, and our leaders, leadership chasing the wickedness and immorality of the world all over. And what are we doing? What's our response to this? Paul says that it's to present our bodies as living sacrifices. I was reading through uh, different passages in um, actually 1 Kings this last week because I thought to myself, well, I know somebody who thought that they were the only one left at a really terrible time in Israel, right? Because you go back, you read Judges and Kings and, and, and the history of Israel is just like, oh, it's terrifying to see what they did and how they responded to God. And, and you see Elijah, who's in, in, uh, running from Jezebel and Ahab, and, and he's crying out to the Lord going, Woe is me, I'm the only one. And, and God goes, Get your eyes off yourself. I've got, I've got faithful people who have not bowed their knee to, knee to Baal. Very few. Very, very few. But there are faithful people who are still called by my name who are still living in obedience to me. The question I've been asking myself this week is what does it mean for me to give to God what is God's? What does it mean for me to look at everything that's going on today, my, my, my personal opinions and my, my political views, and my preferences, and all the stuff that's happening today. And what does it mean for me to give to God what is God's? And am I doing it? Um, I've got a song that I want us to listen to as we close the service this morning. And um, it's, a, it's a song by Casting Crowns. This is uh, not, not particularly a sing-along song. Uh, but we're going to have the words up on the screen. Um, it 
really convicted my heart this week uh, as to what it means to give to God what is God's and where I'm at as a churchgoer, where I'm at as a disciple of Jesus, where I'm at as an American, uh, where I'm at in, 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 in a lot of this posture, this position, this time in history. Um, and I believe that the, that the summary of this particular song is accurate and it fits with our, our, our need today. Uh, and the title of it is Start Right Here. Um, and I think as you listen to the song, you will hear and understand. Um, and that's going to be my question for you as, as we listen to this, is to, to ask the Lord, God, is there any part of this that's me? Do I see anything in this um, song of confrontation? I, I think it's a song of confrontation is what I feel like it is. At least it was for me in conviction. Um, so as you watch this, uh, just, just would you not close your eyes because you need to see the words. But would you, would you close your mind to, whatever, every, to everything else that's going on in your life and focus on the words of this song and ask that question, God, is this me? Is there any part of this that is me? We want our coffee in the lobby. We watch our worship on the screen. We got a rock star preacher who won't wake us from our dreams. We want our blessings in our pocket. We keep our missions overseas. Before the hurting in our city, would we even cross the street? But we want to see the heart set free and the tyrants kneel. The walls fall down and our land be healed. But church, if we want to see change in the world out there, it's got to start right here. It's got to start right now. We're going to start right here. We're going to start right now. I'm like the brother of the prodigal who turned his nose and puffed his chest. He didn't run off like his brother, but his soul was just as dead. What if the church on Sunday was still the church on Monday too? What if we came down from our towers and walked a mile in someone's shoes? Cause we want to see the heart set free and the tyrants kneel. The walls fall down and our land be healed. But church, if we want to see the change in the world out there, it's got to start right here. It's got to start right now. The Lord start right here. The Lord start right now. We're the people who surrender all our pride and turn from our ways 
He will hear from heaven and forgive our sin. He will heal our land, but it starts right here. We're the people who are called by His name. If we'll surrender all our pride and turn from our weight, He will hear from heaven and forgive our sin. He will heal our land. It's gotta start right here. It's gotta start right now. country need I believe it needs a, a, a church to come alive it needs the church politician won't fix it it's not going to fix the problems what we need is the church to be alive by the power of the spirit of God and to start changing lives I believe the song's correct. It starts right here. And it's not in this building. It's in my heart. I can't help you do what God's calling you to do outside of being willing to do what God is calling me to do. So we're going to end in a little bit different way today. Um, I'm going to do some business with the Lord up here myself. And you are free to do as God has called you to do and where he would ask you to do. Um, but I really want to encourage you, don't walk out of this place without making a decision on whether or not we're going to live for the Lord. Here's the crazy part. This isn't, we don't come up here, I don't get on my knees this morning and confess sin and then walk out of here done. Jesus says that we pick up our cross daily to follow him. This is something that I have to wrestle with every single day. But it's what he's calling us to be. It's what he's designed us for. And I believe it's truly what the world needs. We don't need any more religion. We're good at that. We need people following Jesus. So you do as you need to this morning, and uh, I'm going to do some business with the Lord. God bless you guys, and uh, I would ask if you do uh, get up and go, and, and that is totally okay. Some of you may already be in this posture every day, and that I get it. But would you do that quietly and leave the space uh, in here for people who just need some quiet time with the Lord this morning. So God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.